Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings. I'm here today with Robert and Lynn and Ash again. I'm glad to see you guys. Glad to see you too. (laughs) Today we are talking about loans and the lending environment in the middle of this wonderful, wonderful pandemic. (laughs) Right. Everybody has such high expectations of the coming year. I know. I heard this lady on the radio this morning and she was talking about how, despite how horrible COVID has been, this has been one of her best years. And it like opened doors for her and things, oh. which I was, it was very uplifting, but I was like, wow. And here I sit complaining. If I complain about something, I'm like, what? Silver lining. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So what are our silver linings in lending, Robert? What's going or on? Are in there the, silver linings? Yeah. Are there lending? silver linings? <laughs> I'm not lending. sure there are. <laughs> the silver lining is that rates are lower than they've ever been well, um, in the that's last 20 years. Lining. That's a very, very that's a good one. bright silver Now, lining. terms aren't necessarily as good as they have been, but some banks are, are, have, are no longer offering 10 year loans, they're only offering five. But the rates are the lowest. You can get below 3% on home mortgages. I've seen one below 2%. That's amazing. So Mm -hmm. the term length for these home mortgages would be seven years? Home mortgages is still 30 years primarily. Okay. Although the lower the term, the lower the rate. So the one I saw at one and seven eighths was a 15-year mortgage with 50% equity. Wow. So speaking of home mortgage and we're talking about practice loans too obviously because that's what we do (laughs) we have a lot of questions um, from people asking should they get their home mortgage loan first should they get their practice loan first wait are we talking about a startup or someone who already has an existing practice and is looking into acquiring a new i'm talking about a startup or or an acquisition either one so primarily what i advise them is that it's actually better to get the home loan first rather than the practice loan because that way They'll be an established borrower. They'll be established in the area when they go to get the practice loan. Also, if they get the home loan and already have the practice loan, it's going to count against them on their loan-to-value ratio or the loan-to-income ratio. If they get the home loan first and then go get the practice loan, it's actually an advantage for them having the home loan. It doesn't count against them at all in getting the practice loan. Yeah, that's counterintuitive. I think that's where people it get is. caught. Absolutely. It's backwards for normal, but for dentistry, that's the way it is. Okay. And I think also that we normally would recommend that those practice loans go into the name of the dentist, the, the individual, instead of the business. Is that correct? Is that something we still recommend even in this climate? Lynn, you, you want to address that? Yeah, I think that the, the climate doesn't affect that. That What affects that is a tax problem that can be triggered called basis, which we don't want to talk about basis right now. we got enough problems. We're all going to go to sleep. It's too <laughs> early. Yeah, that is way too early. But, yeah, that problem exists whether it's a COVID environment or not a COVID environment. So if you're dealing with a startup primarily, then – 
you're going to avoid a lot of problems if you get the loan in your personal name rather than in the business name. There comes a point when the practice is mature enough when it doesn't matter. And it's always cleaner and prettier, normal looking to have it on the practice books. But in the beginning, it's not ideal for taxes typically. So a lot of times we do not recommend that. And a lot of people, Robert, you can attest to this. A lot of clients will come to us with their loans already done. And that creates a mess because it's really hard to fix them after the fact. In fact, we're not having a lot of luck with that right now at all. About the only thing we can do rather than fixing the loan with the existing lender is we can uh, get them refinanced with a new lender and start over with a, a new loan in the personal name. And what that does, is it enables them to get all the tax deductions that, that they would uh, not normally get if they had the loan in the business name, unless it's structured right. Like Lynn said, it's complicated. It's a basis issue. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it needs to be. And the banks are sometimes resistant to making the change. And a lot of the, some of the lenders, including the SBA, absolutely won't do it. So we've found a way to mitigate that as well. So right now, in spite of the fact that we're in a pandemic, <clears throat> people are looking for new loans. They're looking to refinance because of the great rates. They're looking to expand and acquire new practices. And so what is the difference now in trying to obtain that financing versus, say, a year ago when we didn't have this problem that we're facing now? What it boils down to with a lot of the lenders is, and this sort of sounds too simple, but basically they have nine new questions they ask that deal with the pandemic. They call it their pandemic list of questions. I'm surprised mm-hmm. it's that that short, honestly. <laughs> well, I think they they didn't know what to do at first, so they've reduced it to that level. And that's as a result of going back and forth with their underwriters and figuring out what additional questions they want to know over the course of the last six months. And finally, they've got it condensed to those nine questions. And we've run across that with several lenders now, and it seems to be pretty much the same nine questions. So I I assume, I don't know, some maybe some banking association told them, ask these nine questions. It would not surprise (laughs) me at all. It would be nice, actually. (laughs) But it's pretty standardized. They want to compare this year's numbers with the same month of last year to make sure that they're still producing at least 90% of last year's production. And also this year, they're comparing later months to earlier months to make sure they've returned to pre-COVID levels of production. So with the pandemic, I know that sometimes there are fees involved and down payments for certain loans. Are we seeing any of that with any of the loans? I know real estate usually is the big one, obviously. but I haven't seen a change in down payments, either on real estate or practice loans. Practice loans, you can still do, depending on the lender, you can do up to 100% of trailing 12 months collections. There's a few lenders that'll do that. Most will do at least 85%. Okay. Uh, and that uh, would be on like acquisition of the practice or just no, that'd be refi lo- or equipment? That'd be on refis yeah. and maybe rolling in some other debt. On the real estate loans, we're still seeing anywhere from uh, 5% to 20% down. And that's largely driven by the borrower, not the lender. Lenders will do 90% loans all day. If the borrower wants to put more down, he'll get a lower rate. If the borrower wants to do 100% financing, we can generally find a lender that'll make that work. Okay. And speaking of real estate loans, are those harder to get now, easier to get now? Same situation as the other loans as far as a list of items they want? Real estate loans seem to be easier to get than the practice loan. The Hmm. pandemic questions are really asked about the practice and its operations Great, because with a real estate loan the lender has a lot more collateral 
than with a practice loan. So the asset, the underlying asset on a real estate loan really hasn't been affected by pandemic situation so far. So it really hasn't changed that lending environment too much. I was just thinking earlier when you said, when you were talking about the retitling of the loan, especially if it's a practice loan, we sometimes work with a lot of startup clients that will notify us that they've applied for a loan for the practice and the practice is currently being built and the loan hasn't closed yet. So initially when the paperwork started, it's under the corporate name. And then when we go up to them and advise them, hey, can you have your lender retitle it to your personal name? They'll sometimes come back and say, oh, I don't know about the process, if it's going to affect my credit, or I'm not too sure if I should be doing this, even from a legal standpoint. So what do you usually tell our clients when, when they're worried about such things? I address each one of those things separately, like we recently did, mm-hmm. and assure them that it's okay to do. It's actually beneficial to them to do it that way, and, and, and it's not going to affect their credit. Because typically, they're on the, the hook for that note anyway. Either they're a guarantor or they're the borrower. So when right. you say it's not going to affect their credit, you really mean it's not going to affect their credit any differently? It's not going to affect their credit negatively. I yes, always tell right. people that it's the same exposure either way. That's how I phrase, phrase it anyway. Right. And it, it makes sense that they're trying to title in the corporate name. Who would not start a business and try to title everything in the name of that Absolutely. business? Absolutely. It's yeah. completely logical. And the banks, of course, want it in the corporate name. So they're pushing for it. And then we come behind them and say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> but, yeah, there's very specific reasons that, that we change that. And it's it's gotten to be more widely accepted. So it's not quite the fight that it used to be. Mm-hmm. I try uh, to explain and a, it. And a lot of CPAs, I think, don't do this. Uh, and or they don't think about it. Right. And when we uh, get a new client, sometimes we see that their loan's done wrong and we have to advise them to change it. And I've even had some bankers say, I've never heard of that before. And we have a standard paragraph that we send them now explaining mm-hmm. why this is done. And, and so we educate people as to really the right reasons to do this. Yeah, it's hard to explain, I think, mm-hmm. to, to for people to understand and really be comfortable with it. Yeah, they don't like the, just, no. just trust me. Yeah, right. Well, and that's the thing. But that's, that's kind of part of the relationship that you're trying to build. And we had one one client that signed on and who did not like the advice. And that client was gone. So yeah. there you go. Some of them don't like it. Yeah, and the, But the benefits are pretty big, right? It's, it's definitely worth the trouble if there is any. I, I, again, I've told startups that it's probably a $50,000 savings tax-wise if they do it correctly. And that depends. That fluctuates depending on how early in the year they open, how much they've spent on their mm-hmm. acquisition or their startup, but and, and what other business ventures they have going. Cause so all those play yeah. a, a role. But with your standard practice that opens mid to late year with – a standard startup cost, yeah, it, it makes a huge tax difference. And, it, and if that person was an associate for the first part of the year and had uh, right. earnings, then, yeah, this will save them a ton of the tax that they right. paid in already. Oh, you actually raise another good point. So associates. So we have a lot of those clients as well. And a lot of times we've noticed they have a hard time acquiring a loan, especially when they set up an entity and their business shows a negative loss, mostly for depreciation or other things that we put in there. And when they go to your typical lender, they get denied. Because their first year practice shows shows a traditional loss. But the underwriter should be adding back the depreciation because that's a non-cash expense. Right. That, uh, before they're arriving at their you know conclusion whether or not to make them a loan. Right. That's an inexperienced lender or underwriter, underwriter. if you get denied. So you should seek alternative lending solutions. Right. So not just use the app lending tree. Or get your CPA to talk to your lender. They know what they're <laughs> right. doing. They should be able to convince them right. that it's okay. 
I have a question about business plans and projections. <laughs> we talked about these in one of our episodes, recent episodes, how that's one of the only business training that they get, that dental, dentists get in dental school, and how we used to laugh at them. But <laughs> not really laugh at them, but say, yeah, we, we don't need those. <laughs> You're good. Do they need them now, though, in this lending environment? I'm still not getting requests from lenders for projections in most cases. Now, if it's an SBA loan, yes, they have to have projections. Mm -hmm. But most lenders don't want projections. They don't want any business plan. I've had one lender actually tell me that it's a waste of their time to prepare that. I did early, relatively early, about two months into the pandemic, I did have lenders asking me for projections because there's no no production for mm -hmm. six to eight oh, weeks, right. depending on where you were in the country. And so they wanted projections for a year out from where we were. But it's not something I typically see. And I guess you're not still seeing it. That's not one of the nine questions. That's not one of the okay. nine questions. So I guess they've they have found a way to move forward with loans without that information. So basically, uh, we should tell people don't do them just because you think you need them. Wait right. Till they ask yeah. For them. Oh, definitely. No, I definitely <laughs> yeah. would not advise being proactive in no. that regard. I think also, too, I know working with Robert on the loans prior, don't answer any questions that they don't ask. Either. <laughs> don't it's, it's like, it's like being an expert witness. That's right. Don't answer a question unless they ask it. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and then don't volunteer more than they more right. than it requires to answer the question. Mm -hmm. And be careful how you answer the questions. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of little pointers. Mm -hmm. Speaking of SBA loans, I had this question on my list, too. That's something that in the past, like I said, that we had not recommended because the fees are so high. How is that now with the with the pandemic? It hasn't changed. SBA, SBA loan fees are still 4 to 5% of the amount borrowed, which is just incredible. Mm -hmm. But sometimes... If a client can't qualify for a loan from any other source, then that's our lender of last resort, and mm -hmm. they'll make the loan. And it's not actually the SBA. The SBA guarantees it. It's the bank that makes the loan. But the bank will make the loan because they know that 70% of it's guaranteed by the government. Okay. So they'll make the loans. We can get them a loan, an SBA loan, to start a business. But you really don't need an SBA loan unless you have horrible credit or an inordinate amount of debt already. And um, when we talk about the SBA loan, we're not talking about the EIDL SBA loan. No. This is no. outside of that, yes. the non-COVID version. Yeah, this right. is a SBA traditional loan. SBA loan right. to help small businesses get started. Right. Yeah. It's good because every time I hear SBA these days, I just think COVID, COVID. <laughs> I know. Yes. Yeah. What if um, a doctor comes to you and says, you have a lot of student loan debt. How is that going to affect my, my chances of getting approved? What, what dentist doesn't usually, right? The, the student loan debt these days is it's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the average now? What, 225, 425? What's the average these days? I don't know what the average is, but I would have thrown out 400 for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is very, very high. I think on the West Coast, it's a lot higher than in, in Dallas. I know at Baylor, it's, I think it's 250 or so. So that, that doesn't hurt them from getting a loan to start the practice. I don't know a lender out there that, that holds that against them, which is just, again, counterintuitive. But dentists are a special breed. The failure rate for dentists is so low that lenders are willing to make the loans, mm -hmm. even if they have a negative net worth, which means they owe more than they own. If they have no business and they're an associate doctor, they don't own a house yet, they probably own a car. <laughs> that would be their only debt would be student loans and the car loan. But they can still borrow at least half a million dollars to start a practice. 
with no money of their own. It's amazing. <gasps> and be successful at it. And, and that's why they get the loans. Absolutely. I have another question about life insurance. So what if a dentist has a medical you know, issue and they can't get life insurance or they have trouble with life insurance in general? How does that affect a loan? It, or, it, it, it eliminates most lenders. Yeah. But there's at least one that I know of that will make the loan up to a certain amount without having life insurance. Now, some lenders will make loans up to half a million dollars without life insurance. But for an established doctor not doing a startup loan, it's more difficult to get a loan without life insurance. But you can still do it up to a certain level. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the environment right now for cash out equity loans to try to pay off some of these student loan debts? So cash out on the practice. Is that something that lenders are doing right now, staying away from right now? That's something that lenders won't acknowledge that they're doing <laughs> because what they'll do, they, they, I guess they, they can't really roll student loans into a business loan, but what they'll do is they'll loan working capital that the doctor can use for whatever purpose he deems appropriate. And if he wants to use that to pay off his student loans, then so be it. Okay. So that's not really a cash out equity. That's a Another piece of the loan is the working capital. Right. It's partly equity. Yeah. But that's not going to go very far if you're talking about $200,000. That's the thing. It depends. You can't get $200,000 in, in, in working capital, yeah. but you can get over a hundred. There's somewhere in between there that the banks stop it. I know we've talked a lot. I feel like we've talked a lot about startups today. Right. <laughs> um, which wasn't I mean, our intent. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> I mean, what happens. It, it, and, and sometimes I think we're talking about all kinds of loans, but we're not specific. So... I'm just going to ask this. Uh, acquisitions versus startups and the lending environment for acquisitions. Is that changed? The lending environment for acquisitions is actually better right now than it is for startups. You have a very limited market um, of lenders for startups right now. For acquisitions, they're returning to pre-pandemic levels. There are a lot of lenders out there that will make those loans. We just closed one October 30th. I guess that explains why we've had lots of calls from doctors who have found practices they want to buy that I think lots of people are, are wanting to sell and they're able to get approved. So well, and we, we've seen an increase in, in practices for sale, mm -hmm. not our clients, but I've mm -hmm. seen an increase from the brokers because of the pandemic. A lot of the doctors have decided, um, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> I almost done. decided that myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Okay, yeah, that's what I was wondering. We've had so many people calling about that. But as far as purchasers for that practice, are, for those practices for sale, are we having any trouble finding buyers or are they still moving? Is everybody uh, it, exiting or? No, it's, it, it's still a seller's market. Okay. There's still way more buyers than sellers. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, I mean, we have tons of people calling for evals all the time. I want to buy this practice, mm -hmm. buy this practice. Okay, and then talking about prepayment penalties. <laughs> That's always a fun loan subject. Avoid them. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Have they changed? Have they changed? I don't think so. I'm still seeing maybe not as many. The SBA okay. is, is the worst. They have sometimes, I've seen prepayment penalties on SBA loans that never go away. I've seen prepayments on uh, prepayment penalties on other loans that go away after five years. But for the most part, I'm not seeing prepayment penalties. It just depends on the lender. And so they can be avoided by picking the right lender. Is that true for startup and acquisition or one type over the other? On startups, 
there's really two big lenders for that now, and one has a prepayment penalty on every loan, and the other one doesn't. Okay. So, again, pick the right lender. Okay. Or don't pay off your debt as soon as possible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you have to be aware of that. Some people don't don't want that debt, and I understand that. And dental practices, by for the most part, are able to pay that debt down more quickly than they are required to because they do cash flow very well. So there is the inclination to get that debt paid off early, but you do have to watch for that pitfall because it could cost you a lot mm-hmm. if you're not careful. Yeah, always review those prepayment penalties mm-hmm. clauses in there, <laughs> always. Absolutely. And, and and like you mentioned earlier, you asked me about fees. Look out for fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of the lenders are now charging uh, 1% loan origination fee. And some some lenders will fee to death. There's a, an attorney's fee. There's a some kind of servicing fee. And, and it may be $100 here and $250 there, but that all adds up to another $1,000. But again, you don't need to pay those fees. There are lenders out there that don't charge that. Okay. Plus, we have clients that are sometimes afraid to pull out a loan. Let's say they have the means to pull out a loan to add an operatory, but they'd rather not pull the debt because they're afraid of debt and they wait till they save up enough money where they can add the operatory. What kind of advice would you give to? to they just people? borrowed, what, $400,000 to, to go to school to become a dentist, right. and they don't want to borrow another fifty to equip an operatory. I understand that. And I tell them, if you can't sleep at night because of the amount of debt you have, then, okay, fine, use your cash. But as a financial planner, it's better to borrow that money at today's rates than to spend your own money because your own money should be earning more than what you're paying on the loan you got. If you get a loan at around three or three and a quarter percent, if you can earn 10 or 12 percent or even eight percent on your money, you're coming out ahead. And almost always when you add an operatory, your collections will go up, or at least at an expected. That's the reason you're adding. Exactly. <laughs> right. and that, and you you already can't so. keep up. Right? Uh, yeah. if, you, if you have a waiting list of patients, they can't get in to see you for three weeks or more, then That's, you're losing patients. Mm-hmm. So you need to add an operatory to bring that waiting list down so you can see more patients generate more revenue. Right. Yes, That's absolutely. a great tip right there. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically what we're saying is the lending environment during COVID, post-COVID, whatever you want to call it, is is not too bad. It sounds pretty good. The rates have made it more attractive. The loans are still, they may be a little more difficult to get, but really I, I emphasize a little mm-hmm. more annoying to answer some of those questions. And really clients are annoyed by those questions, but they realize that they're going to get the loan for the lowest rate they've ever seen. Would you compare it to maybe, sorry, I have this one more question. I <laughs> should compare it to maybe the, the home mortgage like crisis from back in late 2000s. No, this At, is this is those different. were after like after that it was like so much more stringent. But rates didn't go down that's like true, that. Rates true. have plummeted now, and the Fed Federal Reserve has said that they won't raise rates through the end of 2021. Okay. Uh, now we don't know what's going to happen as a result of the recent election, but rates should be low at least for another 12 months or so. Greatness. Okay, guys, you guys heard it first from us. Thanks, <laughs> Maybe guys. not first, but it's it's all good. So until we see you next time, thanks for having us. All right. Thank thanks. you. Right, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.